next month will be Christmas. <laughs> and what has been so beautiful is that you all have shown up in 2024 um, in such beautiful ways. And I want you to know that as um, uh, a staff, we have been thinking about how we can create more space within our Sunday morning worship experiences. But I thank you that um, instead of thinking, oh, there's not room for me, that we figure out how to make space and take space, and that um, in 2024, we have been doing this good collective work um, together. I do hope that in this month of January, um, that you've held on to some message that we have sung or you've heard preached or uh, read in scripture that it might be like your sustenance, like your manna for the rest of the year. I think there is something about an attentiveness and an openness that we have in the month of January. It's almost like the first minute of a, of a, um, of a docu-series that you know is going to set the stage for the rest of the year. That's how I believe the month of January has been for us. And here is what we have landed on in this month that I hope that you would gather up in the basket of your life so that you can hold on to these words when in March or in April or May you feel so far away from the goodness of God. We started this, um, this month off talking about how we are God's children, God's beloved, with whom God is well pleased, even if we've not done boop in our lives. That it's not about what we do, but who we are and God loves us. You have been reminded that we are all called and that we all have a purpose on our lives. And God calls us specifically by our names that we might know the beautiful, brilliant things that we have been invited to do. Pastor Kiana reminded us last week that the arc of our lives bends towards goodness because God is good. And there's nothing that we can do about God's goodness. Hard stop. This morning might feel a little bit like a departure from these words that have sustained us, but I hope that if nothing at all, that you will hold on to the word today as an invitation to stand in your power. Okay? Yeah, so that, that as we know that we are beloved, as we know that we are called, as we know that our lives are bending towards good, that we also might stand in our power. So today's passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 18. And if you were to read Deuteronomy, either chapter 18 or the book in its entirety, you're probably not going to walk away saying, oh my gosh, the book of Deuteronomy is so relatable. <laughs> and if you say the book of Deuteronomy is very relatable to your life, we live very different lives, okay? <laughs> For instance, there is a passage of scripture just before what I'm going to read that talks about how you should never cut uh, your forelocks. That's right. Any of you who have bangs already, it's not working out for you. Um, and the reason I share that is because there are some passages of Scripture that when we hear them, it, it feels really hard to kind of settle into what the Word is saying. For those who are taking Bible 101, I'm going to ask you this question, and God, please don't embarrass me today. <laughs> Deuteronomy is in what category of books? Pentateuch. Yeah, the Pentateuch, also known as the five books or the law. They are books that are written to order the lives of um, what were known as God's, as God's people. And so there's all these very technical things that you might read in Leviticus or in Deuteronomy about how their lives might be ordered. Here's how I might invite us to approach this text this morning, or if you're reading Deuteronomy at any time. One, with the spirit or a posture of examination. Realizing that every single thing that we might read in Deuteronomy is not a one-for-one -one literally in our lives. 
Okay, so you can ask questions. Ooh, that feels really interesting that I'm not supposed to cut my forelocks before I go to a funeral. I mean, truly, that's, that's in there. <laughs> so that's, that's the first one. With the spirit of examination or curiosity, the second is to come with a posture of availability and openness that there still might be a way that God shows up in the ordering of our lives that we can glean from. Is God providing in this passage? Is God commissioning in this passage? Is God calling in this passage? Is God showing God's self to be good in this passage? Okay? So it might not be a one-for-one, one, but there might be something that we can glean. And now I read the text. Here now these words from Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning with the, eight, uh, the 15th through the 20th verses. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, if I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again see this fire, I will die. So basically, um, the Israelites are saying, oh goodness, if God has to speak to us directly, you know, we might not live. So we want someone who's going to be a mediator of the word. Then the Lord replied to me, they are right in what they have said. And I want you to hold on to verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. This is the word of God <laughs> for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. Like I said, not a one for one. All right. You know, I never cease to be amazed or I'll not stop being amazed when um, children um, who are in sibling groups are able to translate or narrate things for their, for their younger siblings. How it is that they know that the, when you're blowing a bubble or when you're making a particular noise that that means please turn the television to Gracie's corner. <laughs> there is something really beautiful about how siblings sometimes know each other so well that they can like speak a word, they can translate, they can offer up a word on behalf of their younger siblings. I feel like we should never take it for granted or we should not underestimate the power of knowing our people. Whereas nobody else might be able to understand, because you know like the rhythms, the postures, the gestures, you're able to speak on behalf. We should not take that lightly. There is a power in that. And here in this um, 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, twice it is said that I will raise up a prophet, I will raise up heralds, I will raise up those who are going to speak on behalf of God from your own people, from your own community. And this prophet's going to speak on behalf of the things that God loves and God cares about. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like you from among their own people. Um, this passage reminds me of something that one of my friends and colleagues said when I was in seminary. I will never forget this. But my friend James said, prophets are not imported. Prophets are not imported. Prophets don't come from some other place and then try to speak a word in a community that they do not know. There's a reason why I am not a pastor in Wisconsin. 
why I'm a pastor in this place to these beautiful people at this particular time. His sentiment was that prophetic voices rise up within their own communities, and those messengers and the heralds and the ones who stir up our imaginations are the ones who know us. For instance, we can be deeply inspired by the words of Nelson Mandela. We can be deeply inspired by um, the ways in which Nelson Mandela bore witness in um, apartheid South Africa. But there is something about when I read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail, it reads me for filth, or all of us for filth and health and conviction in a particular way, because it was a particular context at a particular time. King, in his letter from Birmingham jail, knew where we hide, knew where we posture, knew, knows how we uh, want to show up or choose not to show up, um, recognizes even when we say the prettier thing to cloak the thing. Because prophets know things about their communities. I think it's important for me to give a definition of what it means to be a prophet. <laughs> Just know there's about to be a plot twist. <laughs> Being a prophet isn't about foretelling or predicting things. I think we have really done a bad job when we say, oh, a prophet is in town, as though this prophet's going to tell us some things that we don't know, you know, like, mm -hmm. God wants you to drive a Passat. Like, no, that's not what... Mm-mm. No. Pro being a prophet. So whether you look at Isaiah, Obadiah, Micah, you, it's not about predicting things. That, that's a major misconception. Instead, prophets who know us tell us what we already know about ourselves and our communities, but sometimes we don't want to acknowledge about ourselves and our communities. They just collectively remind us of the things that we need not forget. They are the collective, do not forget, do not forget, do you remember, do you remember? This is who we are, and this is who God is and how God shows up. So these prophets who tell us what we already know, even sometimes when we don't want to acknowledge those things, speak on, and I will say in our context, on behalf of God's love or justice or grace or God's honoring. Because our words aren't just to be like, you know, floating around, but instead they have to have an ethic that anchors them. Why not be anchored to an ethic of goodness and justice and love and grace and mercy and creation and recreation? They say the things we might deeply know. They also say the things that might come at a cost which is why prophets can be loved and despised in the same breath. Here comes this dreamer. Let us kill him because of his dreams. Or Jesus who says a prophet or a herald, a child of this community is not even honored in their own home. Plot twist. You do know you're a prophet. Oh, see, now y'all looking at me like. <laughs> you do know you're a prophet. Or if that doesn't settle with you, you do know that oftentimes you can bring a prophetic edge. Okay, just hold on to that. that there are ways that you might be prophetic. Remember, not predicting, not foretelling. Saying the things that we already know and who we are and who God is. 
When you are among your family members, your great, you know, your greater family members, and you ask your family members to ask consent before they hug um, someone, or when you're among your family members and you say, can we be really mindful about not saying those bad kids? Because you know within your family how words have crushed. You say the thing. When some of you, especially in 2020, and I know this to be true, when you sat at your Thanksgiving table and you had to share with your family members, those of you who occupy white bodies, that saying Black Lives Matter does not erase your family member's existence. But instead, you offer that up not as a condemnation to them, but because you recognize where maybe your family members have only understood their own humanity based off of how they hustle and they also strive, and so they want everyone else to convince themselves uh, of their humanity. Pass the gravy, oh prophetic word. And also, too, in the positive. How you know joy might buoy. How certain stories might remind. That you might be the one in the midst of any particular thing that says, do not forget that we are people who are made of, that we are people who sing, that we are people who dance our way through. You are prophetic. Sam, you are prophetic. This one who was baptized on the day that we said, you are God's son, God's beloved, with whom God is well pleased. That even the babbling of babes is like for us a strong tower. Here's what I want you to just hold on from Deuteronomy 18. It's this idea of prophets rise up among their own people. You have prophetic edge because um, you know who you're talking to, whoever your people are. We know our, the patterns of the people, the rhythms, the unwritten rules, the unspoken agreements. In fact, there is great risk when we use our voices among those we know. Also, too, there is great harm that can be done, which is why when we go forth from this place, the commission isn't go and tell people what they need to know in an unchecked way. My dear sister, um, Reverend, Donna, Reverend Dr. Donna Coltrane Battle, I got to say the whole thing, y'all. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Donna Coltrane Battle, remind me of the words of Phyllis Hill who says, like, um, a person who is unaccountable is dangerous. Okay, Because remember that in Deuteronomy 18, it also says that those who are prophetic, you don't just be saying whatever, but you also need to be held accountable if what you say is on just behalf of yourself and not on behalf of the God who creates and says that everything is very good. So you have a prophetic edge, and yet you should always know with that prophetic edge among those that you know that harm can be done. So are you speaking a God-breathed word or an empire-soaked word? Are you speaking, I got to get the last word, or this word might bring us life? You are a prophet in some sphere of your life. Stand in your power. And if you're wondering, Lisa, this is going to be the one sermon out of January that I'm just, 
I'm just going to put to the side. That's perfectly okay because we have agency here. But I would just simply come back and say, but why not you? Why not you who believe that you are God's child, God's beloved with whom God is well pleased? Why not you who have heard that you have been called and you have purpose in your life and that God has called you by name for something in particular? Why not you who feels compelled by the fact that your life bends toward goodness and that God is good, hard stop? Why not you to stand in your power in a world that desperately, desperately needs to hear voices who speak on behalf of God when there are so many other voices that are loud that do not speak on behalf of God. You are a prophet. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your love for us, that you would lend us words to speak on your behalf. God, I pray that this mantle that has been placed upon our shoulders, that we might offer a word that brings life, a word that reminds us of love, a word that bends toward justice, whether in our families, our communities, God, sometimes we even need to be a prophet to ourselves. That, Lord, we would lean in. That we would lean in. And if there's anyone in this space or place who feels um, embarrassed or ashamed, that there have been moments when that still small voice might have been a voice piercing in a particular moment, God, would you remind us that you are God not only of second chances, you're a God of endless chances. So we need not self-flog. And if there are any among us, God, and I start with myself, if we have ever used words in a way that we wanted to get the upper hand or power over, or because we just wanted to say what we wanted to say, that God, you would remind us that by the power of your word, we too can be made whole, that you are God who restores us. And for anyone this day who believes they have nothing to say, God, maybe it won't be with their words or with their writing, but maybe by their very presence that they might bring a prophetic edge. May it be so for each and every one of us that we, the Southeast Raleigh Table, might be prophets in other people's midst. This we pray, Lord, in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.